Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, COVID-19 whistleblower. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is January 8th in the year 2023. It's Monday. And I had originally scheduled another show, which was about us being creditors. And it was it's going to be a really good show. But I've moved it to Friday because we have a block of interviews this week I want to get done. And they're important interviews. All of these interviews are related to this letter, which is Declaration of Military Accountability. So tonight we have Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, who we've had on before, but this is a far deeper interview. And this is the whistleblower and the only one that was court-martialed for standing up to speak the truth about the COVID-19 vax in the military. And was it was actually his job to inform the command that would therefore inform the public, because he worked for Army Public Health Center, to warn them of a threat. And instead of being accommodated and rewarded for doing the right thing, they blacklisted him and ultimately court-martialed him. So it's quite a story. We'll have that tonight. Tomorrow night, we're going to have Brad Miller on, who was former battalion commander for 101st Airborne. He's been all over the web on this, and he's the lead point on this letter, Declaration of Military Accountability. And then in the rest of the week, we've got Cam Hamilton, former Navy SEAL, now running for office. He's also on that letter, and Doc Chambers, We'll be back on. He's also on the letter. So it's going to be quite a week of interviews, really focused on bringing a lot of the truth and exposure to this because this is a big event. And just so I say it, because it's just like one of those things you have to kind of say, hmm, this sounds like God. Uh, our Secretary of Defense, Austin, who is, uh, he is, he's the one who ultimately would have given authority to launch the cyber attacks against this letter and anybody that was trying to post it. They took it down. They used their proxy agents to taken off the web. They've used cyber attacks to try to shut down computers, a variety of other things. You know, this letter is all about accountability. And what's important about that is that literally pivots on the fundamental right, which is the First Amendment right, to speak your truth, to question illegal orders. That's part of freedom of speech. And accountability is central to any nation for its way it operates, especially when people have violated the law. Well, the thing is that Secretary of Defense Austin decided it was a good idea to try to prevent people from viewing this letter. And two days later, he ended up in the hospital in ICU. So my way of interpreting this, and you can take this any way you want, is since these rights were given to us by our creator and they were inalienable rights and he tried to trample on them in a time where we are at peak spiritual warfare, I would say that Secretary of Defense Austin probably got a smackdown by God. Now, if you were listening to the morning program, we prayed for him, and we prayed for him to come to Jesus and to repent and to then use the station in his office to speak truth into this nation, to support this letter, and now initiate investigations and to take the consequences for his own office for what he's done. 
I believe that God can do anything. So the best way to destroy an enemy is to use the enemy upon itself. And that's how we approach that with Austin. And we do pray for you, Secretary of Defense Austin, that you will come to your senses and realize whom you serve and admit your faults and sins before Jesus and accept Christ in your heart and repent. And therefore, part of repentance to speak to the nation. We'll see how that goes. But we will pray for it again as we go along this week. And those prayers will be in the morning, most likely. Okay, before we get going, just a couple quick things. Um, obviously, we're dealing at a critical time, a crazy time, where we have a presidential election ahead in, in November. And the absolute one thing you can be assured of is 24-7, they're going to be cycling through cr crisis and t turmoil. That's just what they do. They, they do this brilliantly. And they're going to try to do everything they can to put your savings and your money at risk. This is part of their Great Reset Nightmare plan. The question you have to ask is, what have you done to protect your savings, in particular your retirement savings, from this shift that definitely seems to be we're careening into with the digital coin dollar and that is not backed by anything? We currently have a fiat currency that has no substance whatsoever. You, what you need to do is consider diversifying and getting that your IRAs or even in your in your portfolios, you need to get into gold and silver. Birch Gold Group, they've been with us now for almost a year and a half. They've done a fantastic job. And they have been the top choice for investors all over. So take a look at them. And you, the way you do that is you type BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That'll give you access and give you receive a free info packet that you can read up on, learn what they have to offer, and then give them a call. Now, what's interesting is when you look at gold, gold has been the choice for investors and central banks to hedge against inflation and other things for centuries. And this is why this is so important to try to get your stuff involved in gold as much as possible. Obviously, I'm not an investment advisor. I don't wear a white coat. I don't play a doctor on TV. But I know that Birch Gold Group has done a great job advising everybody as they go. So you can, the idea is to get yourself set up in a tax-sheltered IRA. And if you have an existing one, Birch Gold can flip it over for you at no additional cost to you. So again, all you have to do is type in BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Get your free info packet and give them a call. Give it a shot today. We won't, you'll be happy you did. There is a post I want to reread. I've read this now a couple of times, but it's, it's in the context of all of what we're going to talk about tonight. I think it's a very important post to get in your framing of just how bad our leadership is in the military at this point in time. This comes from Brad Miller. He did this last night or night before. And what it says is, if anyone can think of any general or admiral, that means one star to a four star, anywhere in the active U.S. armed forces that openly resisted the COVID-19 injection mandate in any capacity during the time it was in effect, that's August 21st to January 23rd, and is still serving, I I'd like to know. My belief, Brad writes, is that there are zero, get that, zero, zero of our senior generals did anything to stop this thing. This is insane. So it continues on. It is also my belief that there are were no there were none who resisted and lost their careers over it. My belief is that everyone serving at these senior ranks, which is one star to four star, went along with the unlawful mandate. If that's incorrect, let me know. He goes on to say, Don't give me the name of someone who privately said something behind closed doors. Give me the name of any general or admiral who openly resisted the mandates. Don't tell me someone who retired in lieu of taking the shot. Tell me a single person at those ranks who didn't 
go along with the unlawful order and is either still serving or lost their career over it. I'm looking for a single leader at those ranks who demonstrated courage, which we should say moral courage, with respect to the unlawful COVID injection, injection mandate. Just let me know one. I'd love to know. Well, to be honest, I don't think there is one. That's just, that's the entire problem is that in every general we have and admiral that we have, that would be one star up to four star, went along with this thing. That's the insanity. And you're going to hear part of that reason tonight with Mark Bashaw, who was, he was the guy that was supposed to be informing senior commanders and the public of this threat of something that wasn't right. Now, a post came out shortly after this letter was submitted. And for those of you that are not familiar with this letter, let me just highlight this real quickly. You can go to militaryaccountability.com, militaryaccountability.com, and there you'll find the letter. You can sign on to the letter as well, and that's a big deal. This letter was signed by 231 signatories. I'm one of them. The title of the letter is De Declaration of Military Accountability. We read it last week, and or earlier this last week. And the, the point is that this letter is designed to hold military... Uh, leadership accountable for the criminal acts. It has gone on to list a number of generals and admirals in this letter by name. Some of those you would know, General Milley, Admiral Grady, General McConville, uh, Admiral uh, Gilday, etc. It goes on a list of these people and that are literally criminals and have done criminal work. And they are, they are being called out to be held accountable for violating the law. They're violating being treason against this nation, to violating the Nuremberg Code and violating their oath. So there's many more, and the whole idea is to use the process of UCMJ to bring them under a due process and ultimately to find them if they are either guilty or not guilty. But the point is that if they are guilty, then the punishment is severe, which would also include other details in this process of suspending pay and so forth for retirement or removing retirement pay altogether for their criminality. That's the push. Now, shortly after this letter came out, General Flynn wrote this. This is a very big deal, he says. And all flag officers, flag officers are one star to four star, active or and retired, need to pay attention and heed to it. This is not another letter signed by a bunch of generals and admirals or senior intel officials. This is penned and signed by members of our military rank and file. This is a very serious warning to the American people, and we better pay attention. These aren't Democrats and Republicans here. These are people who took an oath to serve the nation and potentially, get, and potentially give their lives in service to the same. They all need to be thanked for their courage to speak out during these very challenging times facing America. God help us all. Well, this is important to appreciate that it is our oath, and most of you have also taken the oath. So it, it is part of this information war that we are using to fight information, the fifth generation warfare. We are using fifth generation techniques. And so many of you did take the oath, which is good. And this is part of the commitment to protect and defend. We need to literally start looking at understanding that finding our enemies within has been very difficult, but we are seeing them now more clearly. And they're within the rank and file, unfortunately, in the senior leadership flag officers, even some of the junior commanders who followed and obeyed illegal orders and coerced soldiers to take the shot. Why is it so important that we focus on the military? The military was the only agency, or at least the first agency, that mandated it and gave the soldiers no way out, even though they were not supposed to do that. It was completely illegal. 
They also bait and switched the, the shot. The one that they originally approved was, I believe it was called Comirnaty. It was a FDA approved vaccine that was coming from Germany. They could not mass produce it. So they switched it over to the unapproved emergency use authorization vaccine and used the rules of mandate against the soldiers. Did not give them a right for a refusal, which is illegal. They also have they refused to look at the consequences early on of the of the studies that were showing at the VA that these shots were causing severe damage. We have severe damage going on within our military. Huge issues of I think you'll hear many issues tonight. Many things include things from myocarditis, heart issues, clots, strokes, health issues on, on a full range of things. So many, many things. This has been a devastating blow and likely to our to the truth of this is this was designed to paralyze and collapse the U.S. military as they also went a wave of attack against the U.S. public to try to destroy people and in so doing wipe them out so that they would be a country that would never survive and in so doing be easily to invade and occupy. That was their plan. We've stayed a lot of this fight, but we still have a lot of injured and maimed people as a result and they're not stopping and neither can we. So I want you to hear this quick piece by Ivan Ranklin. He's the retired lieutenant colonel special forces that was on Saturday night. This is a short clip that relates directly to tonight's interview when he was on Alex Jones. Major General Edmondson is one of the named individuals in this letter. If I'm not mistaken, he was the general that signed off on the court-martial for a gentleman who's one of the signatories, Lieutenant Mark Bashaw. He was court-martialed for advising his leadership at Aberdeen Proving Ground at the health uh, agency there that, hey, this the emergency use authorized products are not safe and effective, meaning masks, testing, and the shots. And there are other mechanisms at play that you and I know, you've had them on your show, of being able to mitigate the risk of the, uh, the virus, right? So what happens? The staff judge advocate on behalf of this general is a guy by the name of Yevgeny Vindman. Yes, the brother of Alexander Vindman, who concocted the fake whistleblower impeachment hoax, number one, against Mr. Trump. In his tweet, Yevgeny Vindman says, oh, I'm so honored to be the staff judge advocate, I'm paraphrasing, in order to go after somebody that was refusing the vaccine. This guy is now running for Congress in the 7th Congressional District in Virginia. And oh, by the way, one of the other signatories is running against him, Mr. Cameron Hamilton. So this is, and then as you start to peel the onion some more with Yevgeny Vemin, it's a criminal see pictures network. of him with Adam Schiff. It is a criminal network, and that's exactly what it is. And these are deep criminals, and we're, and we're the fight back now is to get the morally incorruptible in at every level and to hit them as hard and as fast as we can. Part of that movement is on the national level, which is difficult to win because the elections are so heavily rigged. But on the other level, it's even if they don't win, it's the exposure to the problem to wake people up, which we're still having to do. There's too many people that are way, way too much asleep. At the local level, we have the greatest chance of victory. And this is where when we talked to uh, Ivan Ranklin Saturday night, on the special for January 6th, you heard him talk about the same type of things I did, but in this context, to even being able to go after military generals at a county level, which was new to me, but he's dead on. Because I, I mean, when I say new, I hadn't thought it through. Meaning that if a, if a general lives off post and he's guilty of crimes, 
the sheriff and the local DA, because he lives in their county, can initiate an investigation into them and even do raids on their homes to collect material and then put them under an investigation in a civilian system. That What that means is our counties are the most important asset in this entire fight. We've talked about this for three and a half years, county by county. It's critical that we continue to push that forward and push reform from bottom to top on this. Huge reform. We need to get new sheriffs in. We need to get new county commissions in. We need to get new clerks in. And we need to fill as many places as we can throughout the county, even auditors, they can start looking at these contracts. This happened in my own county. My neighbor was a former vice president for General Motors in China. And he got hired at the county to do auditing on their contracts and was let go after one month. He was on a 90-day trial. They let him go after one month because he began to find that most of the contracts in the county were done by cronyism. And they don't want that they don't want that boat rocked. So it's time that we get people in there to start tearing this apart. We can affect our local economy, our local counties, and in so doing, affect the outcome. If you have a sheriff that's willing to step in and go, I'm going to be a constitutional sheriff. They're going to pick up some of these these areas and pursue the the crimes against humanity and the issues that were caused by this death shot and start bringing people to investigation and trial. You're going to start seeing a major tipping in these across the nation as more counties step in. That's where we need to fight this. At a national level, if we get people in office, more that we do, that we can see an infection, but basically we're taking it over from within. This is a political, legal, and authorized process of toppling an existing regime that has hijacked our existing government because once we get people inside, as difficult as it is to to realize sometimes, and it will take time, we can affect a counter-revolution, which is exactly what we're doing, to get inside and tear these people apart. This, this takeover began in 2008 with Obama at high speed. It was being planted for many years, but the true official takeover was thanks to Obama, another one of our great people in our history that needs to be erased from the books and held accountable for treason, a.k.a. renegade. So that has to happen. Remember, he was, the more we learn about him, he was an asset for the intelligence agencies and he wasn't, he did not hold an American passport, not officially. So these are big things again. So we are, we're continuing with this and all of this piece that we're starting here allows that sort of issue to continue down and to literally start a domino effect where you can get people held accountable throughout the entire government. But you have to start with the military. The military is the change agent for the entire United States. And you have to have the military on your side to get this done because we have to reset the military back to its sole purpose. And what is its purpose? To be a, a representative force of the constitutional republic, not a hand puppet of the deep state. And once we pivot to that and start understanding the function and role of the military, that it's not going to be involved in deep state role, wars. It's involved for the protection and defense of the United States, which then gives more emphasis on enemies domestic and less probably a less level of emphasis on enemies foreign. It's all important to understand. We have we lack much awareness or understanding of how to deal with enemies domestic, but we have to start realizing that that's where they have settled in and done the most damage. I bet you just before we start the interview tonight, or conversation as I would prefer to say, uh, we are dealing with psychopath pedophile elites. That is who they are. This is what they do. They, they believe in causing as much destruction and mayhem as possible. Anything they can do to protect and cover their tracks. That's why we need protection. Protection, when I say that, are things like 
looking at what you're going to do with your electronics in your home. Because unfortunately, from our computers to our microcontrol systems in our vehicles, our ATVs, our RVs, even your solar system, we're dependent on electronics that we ourselves can't repair. That's why you need EMPShield.com. EMPShield. You can go to EMPShield.com. You head on over there, use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. That'll give you $50 off and free shipping. And right now, if you buy two or more of those products, you're going to get a site-wide 10% off that you can add to that. So it's quite a good deal right now. And you really do need more than one. You need to put one on every vehicle. You need to put one on your ATVs, put one on your house. These things are a great insurance policy. If you get hit with an EMP level one, two, or three, if you get hit with a solar flare or even lightning strikes, it will help. It will protect your systems from the overload that can cause damage throughout your entire circuitry and the, the electronics in your home. Very important device to have. So again, EMPShield.com, EMPShield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. You're going to be able to get $50 off and free shipping, plus right now in a New Year's special, an additional 10% off if, if you buy two or more products. Great deal. All right, so without further ado, let's bring on Mark Bashaw. Well, Patriots, we have again with us... Mark Bashaw, who was a was a lieutenant and former master sergeant in the Air Force. He was a lieutenant in the Army. He's a whistleblower and, to my knowledge, the only one that has ever been court-martialed for standing up against this crime of spreading an a experimental injection into the ranks of the military. He's also one of the signers on the letter of, the, of accountability to the military of the 231 signatories on the bottom line. And so it's an honor, once again, to have him on the show. Mark, how are you? Good, Scott. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's just start with a little bit of updates, first of all, because um, when I last talked to you, you were moving, I think, down to Texas. Have you settled in there? Yeah, so we uh, settled in uh, Texas, um, moved uh, moved from from the swamp of Maryland, uh, where we were stationed in uh, Fort, Fort Meade for the last three years but yeah we got here back in august time frame so it's been good good to be down here in texas a little more of a more of a free state for sure absolutely and how have you done for work because you're out of the military system now i mean been able to settle in on some good employment yeah uh, for for a while i was unemployed uh and i've been blessed with uh with a job doing some information assurance cybersecurity type type stuff and so I've been blessed with that and continuing forth and homeschooling my kids and, and protecting them from this diabolical public school system. God bless you, man. So true. And that's really one of our greatest missions right now is the future that they we need to preserve for them, right? You're absolutely right. Absolutely. Let's talk about, just do kind of a, a review of your case, because I want to tie it into this letter and... Then, because this letter is significant, I guess we should probably start there, and then we'll come into your case. So let's do this. You put your name on the on that letter with with the other two hundred thirty one. I'm proud to be on that letter with you. Talk to me a little bit about how, and tell us a little bit how that letter affects you and what it means to you personally. That's my. That's what it means to me. Is that's my declaration. That's my declaration into uh, standing up for the truth, standing up for justice. And uh, I'll continue to do everything within my power, lawfully, morally, ethically, um, to to until until my dying breath to 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 secure justice for the crimes that have been committed, the crimes that have been documented, the crimes that 
we've uh, we communicated up our chain of commands to try to prevent from happening. And uh, so that that's what it means to me. It's a it's a huge it's it's so critically important. And it's it's something I don't take lightly at all. And um, I'm just proud to be signed on there with with the other signatories and then also the the 16,000 other other um, we the people that have signed on to the petition thereafter. Let's go into your case a bit. Let's do a review because a lot of people either it's been a while yeah. or they don't necessarily know it personally. Let's start with what your position was. You went what we call blue to green, which means you came from the Air Force and you were a master sergeant there and you came over into a direct commission in the military. Explain that a little bit and then where you were positioned in the Army. It's very important. Yeah, so I served, uh, ended up serving a total of 17 and a half years. I started out enlisted in the Air Force, um, went all around the world. Um uh, after hours, after duty hours, I was knocking out my education. I came in with a high school diploma. I knocked out my education, got my undergrad in management. I got my graduate degree in entomology. And in the Air Force, I was working as pest man management entomologist um, and, and in the public health realm and doing uh, surveillance and suppression of disease vectors and and other things that would disrupt missions, specifically missions of our airplanes getting off the ground and our personnel and risk communication strategies. And so because I had a master's in entomology, the there was an opportunity to directly commission as an as a medical entomologist in uh, in the army. And so in 2019, September 2019, I went from being a master sergeant in the Air Force, direct commissioned as into the Army Medical Service Corps as a as a medical entomologist, went through training from September to December of 2019. And then in 2020, I was uh, I was stationed at the Army Public Health Center as a preventive medicine and, and medical entomologist there up at Aberdeen Proving Grounds, Maryland. And so that's kind of how it how it played out and how that how that occurred, how I became a, a public health officer at the Army Public Health Center. It's interesting. I've worked in those places. It's always, yeah, interesting places. <laughs> they are interesting places, you got to admit. Oh, uh, for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and ironically, uh, I was stationed at Edgewood Arsenal. So Edgewood Arsenal was renamed to Aberdeen Proving Ground South. Uh, but it's it's still if you drive through the gate to the gate it's still labeled as Edgewood Arsenal ironically enough Edgewood Arsenal was the home for the LSD experimentation and some of the MK Ultra uh, experimentation operation paperclip on on our service members wow that's a big chunk of history right there we could probably spend another show on oh i know it's yeah it's a deep deep hole it is so let's I mean, I think that's relevant, though. I mean, and before we it even go further, is. because it's it demonstrates this willingness of our military to experiment on civilians and its own people. Would you agree? Yeah, and they found a different way of doing it, uh, a more covert way of doing it with these injections versus you know versus something like LSD or uh, some of these other uh, more overt experimentations. They went the covert route, which was putting them in cocktails and then injecting them directly into the service member. Let's dig into that a little bit. You have the expertise to talk of it. 
And I'd really like to hear you expand on that a bit because what I'm hearing you say is that these injections have within it mind-altering capabilities or influence capabilities, which is what those programs were about to ultimately control people remotely. Uh, potentially for sure. I don't have specifics on that per se, uh, but I will say there's, uh, there, there, there is some interesting correlations with these injections specifically, uh, actually specifically suicide, for example. Um, why is it that uh, we kind of look at the correlation with the injections in the in the military, and no one's actually talked about this, or I haven't seen this largely discussed, but uh, the amount of injections a service member gets and the correlation of our ever-increasing suicide, suicide rates within the military active and veteran community. You know, we want to talk about suicide prevention, suicide awareness, but from a scientific standpoint, from a public health standpoint, uh, we never seem to bring all the injections a service member gets into that discussion. And why is that? You know, so um, that, you know, mind, you talk about mind altering capabilities, you know, do these injections have some sort of mind altering capabilities to create suicidal, increase suicidal ideations? And we already know that a lot of the SSRIs, which are, you know, these psychotropics that are given to uh, for mental health issues on on. If you look a lot of these SSRIs up, a lot of the side effects are suicidal ideations. Right. So why would I not also, you know, factor in a possibility of a lot of these injections that are being pumped into service members arms? having having the ability to increase suicidal ideations. Well, from a scientific standpoint, from, you know, just being observant um, and, and, and using the scientific model, I would have to factor that into the equation. This is amazing. I don't think I've ever had anybody on here talking about this. And this is why this really has me piqued in interest. So what you're saying is that in all of the testing and evaluation of these injections, including stacking of drugs, which is another big problem because we stack these in multiple injections. There is not investigations looking into the correlation with those and depression and suicide amongst our soldiers? Not that I've seen openly. Wow. Not that I've seen openly. And it absolutely should be part of the conversation. Um, you know, and, and I go back to we prescribe service members and, you know, some of the general populace, too, if they go to mental health, they get the psychotropics. A lot of those psychotropics, again, the side effect is, is suicidal ideation. So they go in with suicidal ideations. They, they, re, they receive this prescription that only increases suicidal ideations, right? And, and, and from a standpoint, we're not going to, or I haven't seen it openly discussed, uh, for for vaccines, I mean, we're not even at the point where we're talking about that. Like, why are we prescribing SSRIs to service members that increase suicidal ideations or have a side effect of suicidal ideations? Why would you do that? Right. So explain so the SSRI not, to us real quick. So you SSRI is basically the you know some of the cocktails they use for. Uh, for a service member who's having mental health issues, whether it's depression, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, so you're, you're the go-to prescriptions that uh, some of these 
some of these doctors are prescribing have have a side effect. Some of them have a side effect of suicidal ideations. So why why aren't we at the very least? Why wouldn't we be talking about that? As uh, right, we're not even to the point where we're talking about that. Never mind the fact that a surface member again gets pumped with all of these injections. And 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 we wonder why the suicide rate is increasing. Is there a correlation? I mean, I'm just asking questions here. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying there is or there isn't, but from a medical scientific standpoint, maybe if we are truly concerned about the suicidal rates, maybe we should also factor that into the possible equation as one of the one of the problems. Possibly, you know. I think it's it's a legitimate and, and necessary question. I think this is the entire problem of that we're seeing within the institutions as we roll into increased corporate influence and control to make profit at the expense of lives. These sorts of questionings become forbidden. And I think in that sense and in that model from a much more uh, a strategic level above your own case, I my personal inclination is that is part of the trap you got caught into because you spoke truth to power. Well, exactly. I mean, I didn't even go that far. I mean, I went, I went like surface level, like, hey, guys, we have a federal, federal law here that specifically states you cannot force service members to participate with an experimental emergency use authorized product. And that's the classification that the FDA gave these products, right? Whether it was a mask, a test or injection, you have to, you must give service members the option to accept or refuse. I mean, I was simply just bringing up the government's own data and presenting it back to my chain of command to try to try to get them to do the right thing and not put themselves in a bad position that later on down the road, they might find themselves in, in some, some legal hot water. Wow. This is pretty amazing. So when you did and this, you, you, what did you, what did you discover? Let's go to that. What did you discover and what then was the process? So my initial concern was looking at hydroxychloroquine, right? And from a medical entomologist standpoint, a lot of times when we get stationed overseas, we're, we're taking prophylaxis for vector-borne disease. I was curious, and so I was the commander of the Army Public Health Center at the time. My boss was the director of the Army Public Health Center. And I simply inquired with, with him, hey, is the Department of Defense looking into the possibility of using prophylaxis, hydroxy, specifically hydroxychloroquine, for the possible treatment of this said disease, right? Or this said pandemic, I call it a plandemic. Um, and, and the question was, no, like, no, we're not. And here's why we're not, you know, forward me some Lancet article that we know now is or, or New England Journal of Medicine article that, you know, that ostracized and and um, uh, and kind of threw out the the opportunity for hydroxychloroquine, and we now know why that was. They were on a one track, one track path to get these these experiment emergency use authorized injections out. In order to do that, they couldn't have a safe and effective alternative. And the problem was their safe and effective alternative, which was hydroxychloroquine, safe and effective, truly, really cheap. That was the problem because it goes back to what you said, the, the corporatocracy, the, the making money of, you know, the, 
you know, sacrificing lives uh, uh, to in order to make this immense amount of revenue. And that's exactly what they did. And so from my standpoint at the Army Public Health Center, my mission was to was to one communicate as a soldier always is trained to do, which is uh, through the chain of command, if there's violations of law regulations or specific and substantial dangers to public health and safety that, you know, I have a duty to communicate that. And so I, I started doing that and I started bringing up the vaccine adverse event reporting system. I started bringing up the fact that, uh, these, these weaponized mandates against a service member and specifically the quote unquote unvaccinated service member were highly unlawful and, and illegal. And what I was met with was uh, complete and utter retaliation for the next 573 days. And that happened, that, that, that retaliation kicked off on, on 31 November 2021, and it ended when I was officially generally discharged with unacceptable conduct on 26 June 2023. You're talking almost a year and a half. Yep. And I, I equate it to, I equate it to, I equate it to a seer event, a, a survival evasion after capture event. I went through training back in 2019 and I equate the tactics that were used on me against me and my brothers and sisters in uniform who were doing much of the same stuff I was doing, trying to communicate with our chain of commands. I equate uh, that with the adversaries I, I learned about in, the, in that training back in 2014. It was like an, a never-ending, psychologically twisted, fifth-generation warfare seer, seer event. Yeah, they can see that completely. And, and there definitely was a major level of psyop on this entire operation, which is insane. I want to go to the name of the organization you were working for or were ahead of, Army Public Health Center. By name, that would state that its role was to protect the people and to ensure the the the, the protection of American people. Is that a correct analysis by the name or, or assumption? Yes, yes. It's it's to conduct the Army Public Health Program, which is to protect service members, the people from from uh, non specifically non battle related injuries, whether it's a sea burn event, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear explosion event, or uh, some of these vector borne diseases or transmissible diseases uh, or 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 mental health. In your assessment, when I hear of the persecution you went under for speaking truth, what do you think the root of that corruption is in that leadership that was unable to have the moral courage to stand up for what was right? I'm I'm still trying to evaluate that because, you know, there's a level of uh, useful idiot, and then it gets to the level of knowingly, uh, knowingly doing this. Like for my company commander, for example, I classify him as as like a useful idiot. Right. I'm just following orders. I'm just doing what I'm told. But it got to a certain point um, and possibly specifically with the staff judge advocate, which was Colonel Yevgeny Vinman, the brother of Alexander Vinman, 
the quote unquote uh, fake whistleblower from Trump White House, uh, who was the one that ultimately sent me to a court martial and then bragged on his social media to the world after he after his prosecution team secured a conviction of the first quote unquote first public health or first um, court martial of of a service member who who uh, disobeyed these these orders to participate with these experimental products. And what's his first name, Vinman? It's because it's Yevgeny or Eugene. Okay. Uh, he, he, he's got multiple names and they switch, they change. I don't know why, but I think that's, uh, it, it, we, it went from Yev, Yevgeny, Yevgeny Vinman to um, Eugene Vinman, but uh, former Colonel, U.S. Army, Aberdeen Proving Ground Staff Judge Advocate. Interesting. Yeah, it's a classic PSYOP technique and, and, and uh, covert technique. Literally, I mean, to like continually change the name and I, in, in public space is what I'm saying. Because then people can Well, and they do that with, like, look at the bases, right? Yep. Specifically the base I was at, they changed it to Aberdeen Proving Grounds when it was Edgewood Arsenal. Edgewood Arsenal in the mind, in the mind of uh, the public during those times of the experimentation and, and, and forward, you know, that's, that's what they equate it with. But then when it changes, they can no longer make that direct association without having to do some sort of, you know, research. No, it's well said. So you brought this up to the chain of command and now you're in a place where you are now under literally persecution for speaking truth to power. Is that correct? Yeah. So I got banned from all army public health facilities for a total of 413 days. I got um, threatened with Leavenworth imprisonment. I got a promotion to captain withheld. I got escorted to behavioral health appointments, escorted to medical appointments. I got family advocacy program weapon against, against my children. I got flagged. I got dubbed an insider threat after I submitted protected communications to a federal court regarding the immense signals within the databases we were seeing about adverse events from viral vaccine injuries. And then ultimately I got, I got generally discharged after 17 years. Does that general, by the way, convert to an honorable after a certain period of time? No, no, I would have to go through some sort of process to plead my case, to try to attempt to get it upgraded to an honorable and get these uh, conduct of uh, unacceptable conduct removed. Unbelievable. Okay. Talk about your court martial, the process. Yeah. So the judge, uh, we requested and we we asked if we could have expert witnesses at the court martial. The judge denied expert witnesses. Uh, we go into the court martial, and I wasn't hiding the fact that I was wasn't going to participate with these experimental products. In fact, I submitted an Article 138 complaint prior to even being court-martialed. Um, and so my intent the entire time was, was, to, was to now put this on record in this kangaroo court that we have signals in the database that show these products are dangerous and deadly. And the fact that these orders were unlawful, given the fact that we had federal statute that specifically states a service member must be given the option to accept or refuse these products. 
But the judge decided to use may instead of shall, twist it. He determined the order was lawful. And at that point, I was I was convicted of violating uh, violating an, an order. However, when the sentencing came, he gave me a sentence of no additional punishment. And then he even recommended to the commanding general, Major General Edmondson, uh, Robert L. Edmondson, to drop drop the entire thing. And I think, and I'm speculating here, I think he did that because he realized I was a protected communicator. And he was he was now uh, he he had to punt the football back to the commanding general. And the commanding general had the justification, had the lawful in the lawful authority to throw everything out. Uh, but what the commanding general did instead was he used the conviction as means for my elimination. And so he initiated an officer elimination after after 17 years of service. And so I, you know, I rebutted that entire process, but ultimately, you know, it led to my unlawful discharge. Protected communicator. Can you expand on that a little bit, please? Yeah. So in the army, we have a regulation. It's a, uh, it's command, uh, a command regulation, AR 600-20. Paragraph five through 12 talks about protected communicators. So any service member that brings violation of regulation violation of federal statute law, violation of the Constitution, or specific and substantial dangers to public health and safety to anyone in their chain of command, that is protected communication. And that service member is protected by whistleblower protection uh, under federal statute. And so when I brought up the VAERS data, that's protected communication. When I brought up the the violation of regulation for these, um, for 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 forcing an experimental emergency use authorized product, and when I brought up the federal statutes, violation of federal statute, that is all protected communication. And so, what they should have done was take that and communicate it higher, uh, but instead, they, you know, they wanted to get rid of me as fast as possible. Who was involved in escorting you around to all these places? Was that was that military police? No, so they assigned a uh, medical officer from the Army Public Health Center to uh, to escort me to behavioral health, these weaponized behavioral health appointment, and then um, and and medical appointments. And when you say that they were what, doing evaluations on you on your mental stability or something, they tried to, but I didn't consent to the contract. I I specifically because I knew what they were trying to do, I recognized it, and it was going to be weaponized against me. And so, they had an escort there, but I also had an escort who was a special agent retired in the in the Air Force. He met me as well to be an advocate on my behalf and and record the process. And so I went in and I basically said, you know, I already filed a complaint with my commander, but I I gave him notice of of no consent to the contract to this this service because it is a service, behavioral health service. It's a service, and as service members, you have the ability to consent or not consent. Um, and so I decided not to consent with this contract and and have this be weaponized against me. All right, this is but good, but I mean, they still, you know, th- there's no reason why. There, there was no, 
there was no indicators or any such thing like that to to force me into and to escort me to behavioral health. I mean, it's just, but that's that's what they do to people who aren't willing to comply with their with their psychological operation. What you've mapped out here, which I find extremely disturbing in in relative detail, from the judge down to your senior command, to your company commander, the administrative support around all of this processing, and the useful idiots that included the administration and those that are willing to escort you. We have a penetration of broken... I don't even want to say penetration. It is a structure of broken moral character that is so extreme that our military has literally, from this one unit alone, Army Reserve Health Center, there is absolutely no function in terms of we the people anymore. It is purely a captured agent by corporate America. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, it's a complete belligerent infiltration. And largely it's of the mind you know, an individual in the mind. And if they're not willing to ask for, I call it God-given discernment, then they're going to be a casualty of the infiltration and they're going to be a perpetrator of it. The only ones who who are combating against it are those individuals who are asking for God-given discernment and, and stepping forth and doing the next right thing and taking a stand and combating it and, and trying to trying to give these people the right information. And ultimately, trying to get them to right make the make the right decision based upon the you know the lawful authority that they have, based upon lawful moral ethical means. Having worked in the contracting world in DoD, as a small provider, it could, and I was when I say this, I, I think you'll appreciate this. I carried my own clearances, so I didn't need a prime. I could run. I could run my own contracts. And that's what people don't always understand the importance of this, because typically small businesses in the Department of Defense run under a prime contractor who have the responsibility. One of their primary roles is to be able to what we call hold or, or house clearances so that people are authorized to work on these classified projects. So I was a small company. I had two employees. I had I, I had acquired my ability to have my own to house my own clearances. So I didn't need a prime in anything I do. And I say this because I've worked in similar places. I worked up at Picatinny Arsenal, and that put me in in contact with Aberdeen and also up to other other labs across that northeast corridor. I have seen the power of, of what happens on these big contracts. I've, ha- I've been in, in, in the mercy of it, where literally big players can come in and literally reallocate money. And even so far as at Picatinny Arsenal, one of the SESs was arrested for having a main main contractor, which is one of the big defense contractors, we don't have to name names, paying his mortgage to ensure that they got preference on contracts. The, the filth and corruption in the system is unbelievable. I bring all this up because this smells so deep of this level of corruption here. That people are gaining some sort of material benefit to compromise their position. And I don't know if you have any evidence of that, but... And, and, I'm welcoming, I'll welcome your speculative piece on it as long as we qualify this as speculative. But from my outside, my speculation is having been in the middle of it, having been victim of it as a small business, I see this all over this. And already knowing that Picatinny is subject, is subordinate to Aberdeen, there is, it is hard for me to imagine that with these contracts that were rolling out in 
the billions for this new injection, that that money somehow wasn't flowing into places to ensure that their push for this death shot, which was setting the stage for a future medical nightmare in this nation where they would forever be able to create new drugs, forever to create a perpetual pandemic war, forever keep people in the loop of the medical tyranny and just rake profits beyond profits. I cannot imagine that this that sort of corruption that was already identified at Picatinny Arsenal, which is two hours up the road, wasn't part of this process. And Army Contracted Command is, is, is home at Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Their headquarters is at Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Um, and it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I can only speculate because I don't have any direct knowledge, but it, I do know for a fact uh, this isn't speculation that the Army Public Health Center was running psychological operations in a plan called perception uh, messaging um, in order to uh, demonize and, and, and ostracize certain beliefs, concerns, attitudes, and perceptions towards the injections. And this is, a, I've submitted this, it was an actual program that was started in, in February of 2021 where this program's entire intent was to get senior leaders at your garrison level and your medical uh, medical personnel at your local level MTFs, uh, create informants out of them and, and use them as tools for communicating the concerns, beliefs, attitudes, and perceptions that service members at that installation level were having in regard to these injections, these experimental injections, and what they would do is they would then create a risk communication strategy based upon that information to try to uh, to try to to try to minimize minimize those concerns, those beliefs, those attitudes, and perceptions to increase intake of the injections and decrease anybody's. Um, willingness or ability to submit an, an accommodation, whether medical or religious. This is a little off topic, but I think it's worthy of bringing in. In 20, uh, late 2013, I guess mainly 2014, 2015, I was up at Picatinny Arsenal, and part of that I was tied to was the Mega Cities Project. And I was actually one of the, an ancillary part of the original core team that stood that up, which was worth you know some outrageous amount of money, like $3 billion or something. Um, why I bring this up is because of the work I was doing in, which was rapid pro prototyping and that ties in with Aberdeen and the whole lab place that put me in contact with some of the folks working in the super soldier project, which put me in touch with and put me in contact with people that were doing the transhumanist thinking they're crazy. When this injection came out, I knew right away, I'd already seen what this was looking like. And this was a transhumanist model that was being rolled out into the public. And where the shift had changed, and why I'm bringing this back to your psychological operations thing, in the academic journals that these military people, and this was a five eyes effort, by the way. So this wasn't just the U.S. This was a collective effort in between these quote-unquote allies we have of getting soldiers into this new super soldier project, which was based on things like Google's tech of nanoblood, which they call, I think it's called X-Labs, um, nanoblood. Um, having the ability to remotely heal somebody with a transmission into what's in their body, which was nanotech, 
All of this stuff, these sort of technologies, they've already been working with and going further even to start manipulating DNA, to start using DNA as an information carrier. That, that testimony can be found easily online from Dr. Andy Morgan. Then when he was giving this lecture up at West Point, which I heard that was, it was originally a classified lecture, and when he gave in Crystal City, I worked with him. So there's a lot of pieces here that are important to put together in this bigger picture because what you're talking about here ties in with the medical journals that were being, the, the academic journals circulating internally, which in 2014 and later than in 2015, the discussion in these journals shifted from technology and the development of these new methods to create a super soldier into the acceptance and how to get people to accept the moral change of a new species. The only way you're going to do that is psychological operations to get them to unwittingly commit to something that would transform them. And welcome your thoughts on that. And that's open source. Right. So most of what you're saying is open source. Imagine, imagine what's still compartmentalized beyond our, beyond, beyond many people's imagination. But I go back to what you're saying in, in manipulating DNA. I mean, uh, another thing to highlight is the fact that a service member every two years has to get a quote unquote HIV test. And that blood from the HIV test is sent over to a repository facility managed by a contract within the Armed Forces Surveillance Health Branch. And the Surveillance Health Branch uh, also happened to manage the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database. But my concern and, and my concern would be, why? Why is it that we're housing all of uh, service members who take and who are mandatory? It's a mandatory process every two years, have to take an HIV test. Why are we housing that, that blood in this quote-unquote secure facility and what's being done with it? And uh, who's managing this facility? And uh, because we all know how the Armed Forces Surveillance Health Branch out of the DHA uh, how they managed the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database when there was a quote-unquote uh, glitch after we brought forth the signals in, in January 2021. So that that's another question along with what you were talking about that needs to be investigated and probably has ties into exactly what you're saying. But I do not, uh, and that's my speculation, I do not have any direct knowledge of that. Uh, but I can't help but speculate. Well, I'm agreeing. I mean, this, there's a paper trail that exists here, that, and most of what I spoke of there was open source. But there is a trail we can create here that can create a pretty comprehensive view, especially when we start to get into these deep contracts of these mega corporations. Now, not a small one is Google. And every time you get into these tech companies, we follow the trail that takes us back to the intelligence agencies, one in particular called CIA. Every time. <laughs> And we just, we just can't, can't avoid this. And so when you were talking about the location of this influence operation, was that at Aberdeen North or Aberdeen South? So that's out of the Army Public Health Center, which is Aberdeen South. That's where Army Public Health Center kind of headquarters is. And now, uh, going back to what we talked about, they changed their name. So in, in 2020, uh, I believe it was, yeah, October 2022, new fiscal year started, they changed their name to Defense Centers Public Health Aberdeen. Um, and they're on Aberdeen South. It's it's the same thing. It's nothing changed. They changed their name and organizational structure. So now they kind of fall directly 
under Defense Health Agency and the, and the reporting agency over there. Uh, but my my GCMCA, which is a general court martial convening authority, is the senior mission commander uh, who was on Aberdeen Proving Grounds Major General Robert L. Edmondson, who is still the senior mission commander there. The reason I'm wanting to bring this correlation is what you said earlier. Aberdeen South was the center for experimentation of LSD and MK Ultra. And yes. If, and if, right. So if you're housing an, an influence program out of there to convince people to take this shot, you cannot disassociate the idea that that was the place of MK Ultra, which right there comes in, links us into Operation Paperclip. And the attempt then to persuade using methods of it's it's persuasion outside of the person's control, essentially psyop, to take an injection by various forms, whether it's humiliation, whether it's isolation, whether it's guilt, and to use those methods as just principal issues of good psyop, and to get them into where they're accepting something, and that's tied to an a contracting command that's authorizing the mobilization of something that's coming from Pfizer and others that are all tied to with an, un, with an unapproved injection to get into our soldiers. I mean, I just can't disconnect this. Well, the bigger we paint this picture, especially when we tie in Vindman, this well, is literally, the, it seems like the core of the coup against our military to destroy it and disable it. And I want to highlight this important fact. The senior mission commander on Aberdeen Proving Grounds is also the senior mission commander for Fort Detrick, USAMA, which is U.S. Army uh, Material Logistics uh, Command, uh, Medical Material, whatever I, the acronym stands for. You can look it up. But he's the senior mission commander for USAMA. USAMA came out and, quote unquote, started distributing a community labeled product after we as service members continually continually highlighted the the illegal activity with the emergency use authorized ones and it was filed in a court case where the DOJ admitted in May of 2022 that oh we we didn't have the FDA approved and licensed ones until until now we do and all of a sudden we started seeing community labeled products coming out of USAMA and being sent uh, to U.S. Coast Guard stations, specifically one in Alaska. Uh, I think there was one in Florida. But it's, um, yeah, so he's also the senior mission commander for for Fort Detrick's USAMA and Medical Logistics Command. So, and let me add Fort Detrick on another level now, because this comes from somebody I've talked to in good buddy of mine. He was former Delta. In 1999, they were briefed at Fort Detrick on a process of a bioweapons attack on a nation that very specifically laid out the events as happened in COVID. This is 1999. To use mm -hmm. a false flag of a, of a virus to get people into the state of fear to therefore accept an injection, which is where the real bioweapon was, and to deliver that with the trust and confidence of a government with the whole intent of destroying a nation. That came out of Fort Detrick in 1999. Right, and, and you talk about um, the perception of a problem, right? And what was the perception of this pandemic? It was, it was the testing protocols. 
the PCR testing protocols was the start, was the initiation of the Hegelian dialect. So they could issue in, like you said, the real bioweapon, which which is the, the injections. But the but also, ironically enough, uh, where I was sitting uh, after my command time was next to a laboratory in a laboratory at the Army Public Health Center where they ran pooled uh, pooled testing from various locations around the United States at our Army bases, uh, pooled testing PCR samples, and so they would they would factor those case rates into the overall case rate. Uh, to gen up, um, whether they knew it or not, to gen up the case rate, to gen up the fear, to gen up the Hegelian dialect, so they could continue this, um, this, this operation. This is incredible. It, it really is. We start to see the roots of this coming together. It's just absolutely amazing. So you were then once you were court-martialed. I mean, this is a pretty painful process because I think you said at some point you were held in stasis, like you couldn't even move after that there was a period of time they didn't even let you you don't where you were really in but you were out or out and not in or something like that is that fair yeah so i i was banned from from my place of duty so i was i was banished to my 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 residence right for 413 days and then and then after after that time on january 17 2023 i get access back uh, they 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 bring me back, um, and then they you know they continue to retaliate in various different ways. You know they make me uh, they they assign me as the the emergency eyewash inspector of a brand new laboratory on Aberdeen Proving Grounds, which is a huge fraud, waste, and abuse case, by the way. Um, but they 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 assign me there and you know, give me blueprints to the entire facility to inspect these emergency eyewash showers uh, while they continue to retaliate and put me in various different uh, positions and then ultimately separate me. Were you able to get paid during this time? Yeah, so I was on active duty pay up until I was getting paid the entire time, active duty pay until until I was separated in June twenty third, twenty twenty three. And you have a wife and family, of course. Yes. Yep. I have a wife, uh, three kids. Uh, my wife, active duty military, as well. And um, and this kind of highlights the the inconsistencies with commands, the differences with certain commands. You know, my command was obviously they went full on, I call it full retard, with <laughs> retaliation, whereas her command, you know, they really didn't mess with her and she didn't participate with the experimental products either. Um, but they, Air Force got an injunction and, you know, her command wasn't too retaliatory with these other weaponized products because of her vax, quote unquote vaccination status. So. Amazing. She she she's still serving today. Oh, she is. Yep, but I I try to not bring you know the details of that up to you know hopefully protect her from you know retaliation. Do you did you find across services? I mean, we've seen some different attitudes, and I'm going to point to specific things. We've seen a psyop run against Navy SEALs that was unprecedented by the Navy. Obviously, we see. Commander Green functioning within rank, able to literally call out senior commanders for their crimes. 
The army seems to be the most egregious in its attack of soldiers. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just, I don't know if you have any opinion on that because it just seems like there's different levels and isn't that this is an army or military wide, but it does seem that the, in my samplings, which I don't know that that's a correct, I don't know if I'm drawing a correct collusion, a conclusion, but it definitely seems like the army has been the most egregious in its attacks against soldiers. So, so I would say that across the board, it, it, it I can't, I can't say that one branch is worse than the other because I hear stories from service members all over all, all of the branches and telling me about the coercive measures that were taken against them. But it's very it, it's very command dependent. It, it is extremely command dependent and how bad that command um, took uh, took uh, digested the psychological operation versus a command with commanders in it who kind of saw things for what it was and minimized minimized their position in it as much as they could and and did as much as they could based upon what they thought uh, without sacrificing their careers, obviously, because um, we would have heard about it. But uh, to to you know to delay, to slow roll things. So it was, in my mind, it was very command dependent. I mean, and the individuals within the command. So it was it was dependent on the commanders and their mindset towards towards what was going on. If they if they allowed fear to take over their decision making process, then we saw uh, coercion. I mean, coercion beyond belief, right? And from for an example. From my situation where I was at, I believe they were like, no, we're going to make an example out of this guy, right? Full on make an example. And there was probably more to the story that I'm not privy to at this point in time with, um, you know, with with the whole, I mean, it was the heart and it was the, it was the belly of the beast, right? At Aberdeen Proving Ground. So, but you know, there were certain commands where they weren't part of the medical community, but the commanders just just were were overtaken by the fear aspect and they were allowing that to to have an impact on their decision making processes and what we like to say in the military is shit rolls downhill so if you have a commander that's completely rogue with fear um they're doing some highly unlawful illegal activities to their service members to try in a, in attempts to get them to participate with this experiment Wow, that's amazing. And then and then you have the knowing aspect, right? You know, so there there's the knowing as well, but I you know, I believe majority majority of the rank and file if they if they went along it was more of a a fear aspect whether it was fear of losing their quote unquote career or a fear of this actual pandemic. Yeah, this is insane. It really is. Okay, so we yeah. stepping down to a place where you have made your statement. You are been discharged by the military. To our not to my knowledge, to your knowledge, you are the only one that has been court martialed out of the military. Is is that a fair statement? To my understanding, yeah, that's correct. Okay, I want you to read. I want to read something to you. It's um, a post by Brad Miller. He did it last night. You may have seen it, but I think it's worthy to put it in this conversation. If anyone can think of any 
general, or admiral, one star to four star, anywhere in the active U.S. armed forces that openly resisted the COVID-19 injection mandate in any capacity during the time it was in effect, August 21st to, I'm, I'm sorry, August 2021 to January 2023, and is still serving, I'd like to know. My belief is that there are zero. It is also my belief that there were none who resisted and lost their careers over it. My belief is that everyone serving at these senior ranks went along with the unlawful mandate. If that's incorrect, let me know. And he continues, don't give me the name of someone who privately said something behind closed doors. Give me the name of any general or admiral who openly resisted the mandate. Don't tell me someone who retired in lieu of taking the shot. Tell me a single person at those ranks who didn't go along with the unlawful order and is either still serving or lost their career over it. I'm looking for a single leader at those ranks who demonstrated courage, I would add moral courage, with respect to the unlawful COVID injection mandate. Just give me one. I'd love to know. What I'm hearing in your testimony here is that had they allowed you to do your job, which is what your job was, we would be able to likely turn to Brad Miller and say, we have found some commanders that stood against us. But mm -hmm. by cutting you out of the process and going after you viciously, they sent a signal down and using you as a scapegoat and an example, you became the example for the rest of the army to demonstrate what happens if you dare question the narrative of authority that was coming ultimately from the pockets of the military industrial complex. That's as I see it. Welcome to comment. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the commanding general had the justification. He had the authority. He had the data to even back, back it up when I submitted a, a formal complaint to his office with all the justification to work with me by pushing that up further the chain of command and and doing the right and lawful thing versus the illegal and unlawful activity that ensued after that. Um, so yeah, they, I mean, many of these flag officers have the authority and I, uh, going back to Brad's uh, Twitter post, I have not seen one that has openly come out against these unlawful mandates. Wow, that's incredible. That is a frightening statement when we don't have a sing, single, single, one star up to four star flag officer in our military that had the moral courage to stand up against what was unlawful and unjust against our soldiers. That is so frightening when you think about how our military is running right now and what that would mean in the state of warfare. It literally has become an, a military that is already positioned to lose in the next major battle. My opinion. And and do they have do they still have the opportunity to? I would argue that they there's a there's an incredible opportunity, and and I'll speak to my case and the specifics of it and the facts of it. There's an incredible opportunity for a four-star general by the name of Charles Hamilton at the Army Material Command, who was in receipt of my affidavit of truth, uh, who's in uh, in receipt of a, uh, of a complaint. Uh, a formal complaint, violations of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, submitted to his office, received by his office, on November 28th. Um, the the public affairs officer, uh, they're, they're in receipt of it as well. They acknowledged publicly. 
he has the authority, uh, according to some Jags I spoke with, he has the authority to court-martial Major General Edmondson for the violations in which I provided him evidence on uh, and to, 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 you know, to initiate justice. Now, will he do it? I don't know whether he'll do it or not. He has the lawful documentation to do it. Um, but my duty as a as an unlawfully discharged service member now is to ensure I get this information into the court of public opinion so the public knows exactly what's going on and the opportunity one of their four-star general has to issue justice. And if and like I said, whether he does it or he doesn't, okay, it's going to be in the public and we're going to I'll continue to inform the public on either his uh, complicity towards the situation or um, his courage in, in doing the right thing with plenty of justification to do so uh, of, of issuing justice. So or, what was, what was or simply not even, not even, sorry, let me, let me backtrack, not even issuing justice, but bringing this general to a court martial uh, to, to receive proper due process, right? You know, I'm I'm a bit biased when I say justice because what I feel I have evidence of is a clear violation of UCMJ. But Major General Edmondson deserves due process, and and I think you know I wore the uniform to ensure uh, that he has due process, just like I had due process in my court martial, just like I was court martialed and given no additional punishment, and then recommended you know to drop everything. Hint, hint. He's a whistleblower. Um, so he he deserves that opportunity. Um, so when I say justice, I'm a bit biased and kind of uh, skipping a couple of steps, but he deserves due process. And I think that's what he needs and what this general has an opportunity to issue. What was his rank? Um, Major uh, General, four-star general, uh, Charles Hamilton. He's the commander of Army Material Command, which... Uh, Major General Edmondson is his subordinate commander of uh, senior mission commander at Aberdeen Proving Grounds, but also uh, the commander of CECOM, which is a, a subordinate command to Army Material Command. And these are big things. I agree with you 100%. I, I and, really I, I, and, and I just real quick, I released that affidavit. I released that, that complaint to the court of public opinion. Because uh, prior to doing that, I went all the way up the chain of command to no avail. And so my next step, my next lawful step is ensure this communication is transparent uh, with the American people so they know what's going on. The internal, the internal authorities had every opportunity uh, to, to do what was lawful and what was just, and they failed to do so. So... Now, continuing forth with my service, uh, I have an opportunity to communicate this directly and, and, a, and a duty to communicate this directly with the American people. 100%. Fantastic. Well, Mark, this is really amazing, uh, everything we've kind of laid out here. Are you putting up a substack on anything like that? I don't have a substack, but I have a website called freedomfighter1776.com. Mm -hmm. 
it, also, you can go to it at ff1776.com. It's a little bit of a shorter version, but it'll bring you to freedomfighter1776.com. On there, you'll find all the evidence-based facts. You'll find the psychological operation program that you know I've released to the public from the Army Public Health Center. You'll see all my whistleblower affidavits, declarations, Article 138s, court-martial transcripts of the, the words that were said during the court-martial. Also, over there, you can click on the Declaration Military Accountability. It'll bring you to the petition that if you, as one of the people, feel compelled to do so, sign off on and share share with the many others. So let's close this discussion, taking us back to this letter, the 231. The origins of this, your input into this, and where you see this going and what its bigger message is. Yeah, the 231, the those individuals who signed, I mean, we're all, we're all, we all, I believe we all feel a duty to continue forth lawfully, morally, ethically, everything within our individual power uh, to, to attain, attain accountability for what's been done, for attain accountability of this foreign belligerent infiltration of everything we need to be know to be true as as Americans um, goes direct, you know, all these direct violations against our foundation founding principles of the Republic. Uh, what I hope to gain from this is that people people take the necessary time to to ask for that God-given discernment and to look at this information and and to look within themselves to also to also figure out what they can do, what they can do to stand upon what we know to be true, what they can do to stand upon protecting their individual liberties. What, you know, instead of looking for somebody else to solve the problem for you, uh, to stand up, to share the information, to hold your public servants accountable to the contract in which they signed off on, which is to an oath to the constitution. And so, so ultimately what we, what I hope for is truth and justice to prevail. And, um, that's what this means to me. That's what this declaration means to me. And like I said, if it takes till my dying breath, so be it. That's good. That's good. Well, Mark, we always close with a prayer. If it's okay, I'll do a prayer. Yes, sir. Father God, I just want to thank you for this time today we've had with Mark Bashan, just ask you to continue to bless his family, protect his family and his children, and to continue to lead him on this path of a very anointed path of speaking truth, a righteous truth, into a nation that is so desperately needed in this time. Father, this is a this is moral character and moral strength that we're, we're being seen demonstrated here. And may this demonstration of moral character now begin to permeate across the nation to awaken those that are sitting on the sideline, maybe hesitant, not sure what to do, to be inspired by the strength of the one to lead the many. So, Father, we just pray continually for Mark and his continued path forward, and that those that have done wrong are now held accountable, and even more so that those that have the righteous path ahead of them choose the right thing and are impacted by the testimonies of truth to convert their heart and to lead them into a righteous solution that will help transform the military back to a morally grounded system 
of right and wrong and honestly to rid itself of the internal corruption that seems to permeate the hearts of so many. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great having you on, man. It's really good. I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. Honored to be on the letter with you. Seriously. Yes, sir. Have a great day. You too. God bless you. And God bless your family. Talk to you soon. God, God bless. Well, Patriots, that was Lieutenant Mark Bashaw. And remember, he was a master sergeant in the Air Force before he came over to the Army. That's a big, big deal. 17 years of service, and they court-martialed him for doing the right thing. You just can't make this stuff up. And this gets to the core of the people that are on this letter, this 231, right? And the whole issue behind this letter, which is to hold these dirtbags accountable. These people literally have violated the law, and they're getting rid of the people that could call them out for what they did, and they say they were hoping to. And the entire intent of this entire operation was to gut the military, cripple it and make it impossible to protect and defend the United States while they attack the, U the U.S. population with a bioweapon they would leave people completely immobilized, paralyzed, injured, or dead. It's just ridiculous. It, this is the most evil we've ever imagined. And it's the thing that you'll hear, if you remember from past... The reason the Aberdeen Proving Ground is such an important place to have hubbed out of, because these are this is the hub of the R&D Command, Research and Development Command. And like you've heard me reference, it's one of the areas I worked up in, those areas. There's super advanced technologies up there. And so it's not surprising that there's a whole connection out of this, especially considering some of the testimonies we've had from Dr. Carrie Midday. It's been a long time she's been, since she's been on, but... She was talking about how these technologies they'd never seen before. So there's a correlation here in all these pieces when we start to put them together to realize that we're dealing with a very well-engineered, very well-thought-out, very well-designed plan to destroy America to such a degree that we will never stand back up and come back. And they're still doing it. They're pouring their, their army across the borders now, you know, hoping. But this is a critical point. So I say all this because I, I'm really... I'm encouraging you to get this, circulate this out here, this letter for exposure. We're going to be focusing on it all week, and it's going to continue for some time. It's not just going away. We need to get the awareness of this up there. This is a, the letter is found at militaryaccountability.com, militaryaccountability.com. Head on over there, read that letter. It's the Declaration of Military Accountability. Take a look at the signatories on the bottom of that letter. It's powerful. And you can see all the people that have signed on digitally on to support the petition, which is fantastic. And we just need to consider, con continue to press this out there. You want to know more about this as well, you can support, you know, some of the effort by buying Commander Rob Green's book. These are great people. I'm working with them every day. And every one of us is very aware, well aware of the beast which we're taking on. So... Prayers. That's the one thing that everybody needs to be engaged in. Pray for this, because this is a critical moment in our history, a big one, where we have this group of people who's reaching out to the public saying it's time we reset our nation. Now, let me just add this final comment, and then before we close tonight, one, well, one thing really quickly. There's a total of 16,683 signatures now on the online petition, so circulate it. We really need to see that up towards 100,000. And 
Brad Miller will be coming on Tucker in about a week. He interviewed with, with Tucker today. So can, as we get news on that, we will promote that interview. But the question that I think everybody needs to start coming to grips with, which is a, a question that I'm really encouraging that we arrive at as an outcome of this 231, and that is the question of what is the role of our military? And when I say this, and it's very important, Americans become very comfortable with a military that does their dirty business, keeps them safe, usually almost always wins unless politicians put their fingers in the, in the pot. And when they get that urge, they can jump into the bloodbath of war and feel like they're, they're doing something important for mankind. I will tell you that the change in tenor within the ranks is massive, probably more than you realize. The people are sick and tired of fighting wars for Americans that just get them killed and do nothing for the country but only feed the pockets of the banksters. And remember, our military is hated by politicians. They can tell you all they want all day long. Our military is hated by politicians. It's hated by the investment class. It's hated by most of the political class, legal class, the elites in general. It's hated because they're used. And this includes the rank, the senior officials in our military don't respect the soldiers like they, like they try to tell you. What they see is a military that's there to do the, the business of the nation state, which is a corporatocracy run by likes of Google and other, and other huge corporate 500 type corporations. That's who's running our nation. And so our military is there for the purposes of expanding the wealth of stockholders and the profiteers of these industries. Internally to the military, this is a discussion that's beginning to shift, which people are getting sick and tired of being used as cannon fodder for Americans to be comfortable. And this is on America. I'm, I'm putting this bluntly. Americans like cheap gas. Americans like cheap food. Americans like safety. They like to know they can travel the world and not have anything to worry about. All of that is changing. This is this new multipolar world you're in. So what I think we need to arrive at, and I'm encouraging this, is a point where the military simply says as a whole, and why the military needs to reset itself, that they're not going to play the game anymore of unconstitutional behavior, period. That means unconstitutional wars, too. So while the media can wave its flag and bang its drum about how we need to go send young men and women across the world to go fight other people's wars to leave our blood across the world, that stuff has to stop. We don't need to be going and fighting some Zionist craziness out of Israel because we have a bunch of religious idiots in this country that somehow believe that Israel and the end of the times is going to require us to be on the battlefield of hell. When the whole thing's being manipulated by Rothschild's money and Kazarian mafia that's running the country of Israel. We don't need our boys going over to Ukraine to fight a stupid war over there. I mean, this is literally, this is what they like to do. And where the big vote in, in is here is that when the military finally steps up and says, we're not going to do this anymore, you watch the heads spin and the heads explode because that defiance is what we need to get to. The military needs to educate the public on the fact that they are not the pawn and the whipping boy so American, Americans can have free junk at Walmart. 
That has to end. People need to get back to their local economies. They need to get back to growing their own food. They need to get back to doing industry and business that makes something and do some, does something on, for purpose, not welching profit off of the back of other people through the stock market so they can live, quote unquote, semi-retired and just gather in wealth. That's all the Satanist world of collecting your riches here on earth rather than stacking your riches in heaven. And the military has a pivotal role here to be able to pivot that discussion. It's not a political discussion. Let me be very clear about this. This is an apolitical discussion that talks about constitutionality. And the military is not being used in a constitutional manner, especially since these wars are being waged in an unconstitutional manner. So in a reset of our nation, it is essential that the military gets reset on its moral principles and its constitutional foundation. And that's going to shake some Americans. They love to cheer on the sidelines like they like to do baseball game and football games to go, go men, go, go over and fight those commies, go over to the foreign lands and fight the Muslims and, and never thinking or understanding the consequences of what it's like to send young men and women over there that end up getting, getting maimed or killed and then the consequences back home because most Americans don't have to deal with that dirty little cleanup. They don't have to deal with the PTSD. They don't have to deal with, with the injuries. They don't have to deal with walking in and telling the family, oh, by the way, your father's dead. He's not coming home. This is a time of accountability in this nation. And this letter is at the core of that. This letter isn't just about COVID-Con. It's the tip of the iceberg. COVID-Con is about moral corruption. This whole letter speaks to moral corruption and lack of moral character and lack of accountability within the leadership which was specifically would be every single general and admiral in our military had no backbone, had no moral courage to stand up and say, this was the wrong thing to do. It was an illegal order, not one. So if we're going to look at what accountability looks like, you're looking at clearing house on every single general and admiral in our country, getting rid of them, washing ourselves free of them and starting over with the likes of people like Mark Bashaw or Commander Green, who are so humble, they will tell you, I'm not equipped to do some of these jobs. And I will tell you, the nation's going to need them in a big way to step in and go, yes, you can do it. And you need to lead us in a new moral way that's constitutionally grounded and anchored in our faith. As I said the other night when we had Commander Green on last week, fantastic interview, when he mentioned he, when he, before he makes any decisions, he prays. This is right out of Patton. We don't have many commanders who seek guidance through God first before they do anything. We have to get back to that. So this is a very pivotal moment in our history. And it's one that we need everybody on deck, to use a Navy term, everybody on deck to be praying and engaging this and to literally be praying hard to reset our nation back and using the military to do so. And you've heard me mention, and I do, and I'm publicly saying this over and over, the most pivotal point we can do this with is to see some element within Special Operations Command, which is now its own branch, hold one of these flag officers accountable and take them through a course martial to show the world what it's like when you violate your oath, when you turn treason on a, on a unit and on a nation, on your military, and when you violate crimes against humanity, when you do those things and you show the accountability, you're willing to stand too on the ripple effect on that will be fantastic. 
So as a final note on prayer warfare on this, as I mentioned in the beginning, and I mean this, and you see some of these dirtbags like Millie, the cream puff Millie, or Austin, SecDef Austin, who's currently in ICU, and others put prayer effort into them that they will, they will have a confrontation with or an encounter with Jesus and that they will come to Jesus literally and repent by going public with their sins and give testimony and then support the actions that will even hold them accountable to the letter of the law as everyone else should be. That's a great way to pray right now. We need that sort of effort. We also need effort to protect those involved in this, the whistleblowers. There's, there's going to be more coming out. The 231, the people that have put out there and said, yeah, we're not going to stand for this. Prayers need to be there. This is first and foremost a spiritual fight because the spiritual fight reaches the hearts of the millions. But it's a critical moment in our history to where if we can pivot our military back and get it back with moral courage, this nation will find an entirely new pathway ahead. A military that is not going to play games with politics. A military that's not going to tolerate the corruption of the military-industrial complex. A military that not, is not going to tolerate the Vindmans and these agents that are coming from abroad that are literally infiltrating our system and using our system against us. They're not going to tolerate Mossad, who is obviously responsible to a large degree for 9-11. And they're not going to, and the other things they're doing, like supporting Hamas to where it looks like there's a massacre, so they'll get more funding to go slaughter the Palestinians. This is the world we're in. And we need a strong military with a strong intelligence apparatus. Department of Defense Intelligence Agency would be a good start and get rid of the CIA as well. Scatter that thing to about a thousand pieces into the wind. Revamp NSA. Start going through every one of the 17 intelligence agencies and ripping them to the ground. Because there is so much corruption in these pieces, in these places. They have become so accustomed to running over the Constitution, building up these imaginary ideas of constant threat to the United States. The only threat that we've had internal and external to us, I won't say only, the majority of the threats that we deal with internal and external, which would include things like ISIS, which would include things like the Taliban, which would include things like the Red Brigade out of Italy, which would include the things like going down in the, in the southern areas and cartels and the infiltration in our own country. They're coming from one group of corrupted people. It's called the CIA. And they're actively involved in creating these groups and creating wars so that there is a perpetual war we're involved in so that it drives in partnership the military-industrial complex, which drives in partnership an economy which is built on the blood of human beings. That's the truth. So we are in an incredibly good moment for us to come clean in this nation, to make this truth be known, and to honor the people like Mark Bashaw, honor the people like Rob Green, Pete Chambers, Lieutenant Colonel Retired. There are, these are fantastic people. And as we, as we get to understand what they're standing for, we're beginning to understand the magnitude of this fight. It's that simple. And we have to understand the magnitude of the fight in order for us to win. So pray, be active, tell the truth, spread these shows, spread that site, militaryaccountability.com. 
get people aware of what's going on. It's our voice, our unity, and the body of Christ that wins this. We don't even have to pick up a gun. Because if we're in our, in our alignment with God and we're praying into this, I'm not naive about what I say. We're going to be able to tear these strongholds down. We reset our military the way it should be, and we now have a partner in this event that we always should have had, which is one whose primary mission was enemies, foreign, and emphasize this with exclamation points, domestic. And we've got a whole bunch of domestic enemies. And it's time we clean them out. Hold them accountable before the, before the law and give them due process to reveal their crimes. And in the process along there, let's hope they accept Jesus because they're going to need it if they get tried for treason. Because they'll be meeting God very shortly thereafter. All right, patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deep.